Uh, just so uh, you're aware, the flowers up here this morning are in memory of uh, Don's wife, who uh, went to uh, graduation this past week after 66 years of marriage. And uh, he's been a blessing to his wife. So he wanted you to know that if any of you would like to take one of those vases home, you're free to do that. And just bring the vase back if you, uh, if you take the flowers. Uh, he, would, he would love to have you uh, take them if you would like to have them. So thank you, Don. Uh, we are going to look at Malachi chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. And would you, if you have a bulletin, take it out and find the outline. Now, I'm going to be here for a while, for a few months. And so you're going to have to get used to doing it my way. <laughs> and I have a tendency to jumble up the scripture passage. So it's going to be, not today, because it's real nice and clear. If you want to follow in your Bible, that's great. But uh, in the days to come, I move the different verses around in different places. So get used to using the outline. It will help you. Okay? And also included is a little slip of paper that lists all of the prophets that you've been looking at since the beginning of the year. And the good news is that you go all the way down to the bottom of the list, and there's Malachi. That means this is the last one. The bad news is we have two more weeks after this in Malachi. Now, the one thing that I don't want to do is to have an academic exercise here on Sunday morning. This either means something to us or it's a waste of time. You got that? So I got to put your head in gear this morning. So I want you to think about a few things. Here's the first thing I want you to think about. This is a duck. Everybody knows this. You know it's a duck if... Quacks like a duck, looks like a duck, walks like a duck. Not this duck. This is a duck decoy. This looks like a duck. It might even quack if you have the right instrument. But it's not a duck. It's a fake. You all got that? Second one. How many of you go to the gym every week? Raise your hand. Does driving by count? <laughs> we got one person that goes to the gym every week. Just one? Two? Good. I want you to know, I've started going to the gym every week. Isn't that, isn't that great? James has just, he's motivated me to get it in good shape. So I am now going to the gym every week. I got a gym membership, and I'm going every week to the gym. You know, this is a great gym. They have these tremendous workout machines like this. You can work on these machines. You can develop all kinds of strength and improve your body and all that. And uh, Well, we're not, I, I don't work in the machines. Actually, I go to the gym once a week because there's a bunch of guys there I really kind of hang out with. <laughs> and they got the best lattes at this gym where I go. <laughs> so we kind of sit around, have a latte for an hour or so, and then I go home. But it's sort of good, isn't it? Because then I can tell you, I go to the gym once a week. And what do you got to say to me about that? That's fake. That's not real. You're just going through the motions of going to the gym. You're not doing what you're supposed to do at the gym. You got that in your head? Third story. When I was uh, age 12, 
Now, I could have been age 13. I'm not sure. doesn't matter. When I was age 12, my mother, who wanted her very best for her only child, she enrolled me in ballroom dancing with a bunch of other 12, 13-year-old boys and girls. Now, I did not want to take dancing lessons. That was the last thing I wanted to do. But we got enrolled in dancing lessons. So I remember going to the first one, and the dancing instructor, who was some young lady in her maybe mid-twenties, she showed us how to do this, practice this, do this, everybody would do this. And then after we all got the steps down, she'd say, okay, find a partner and do the steps with a partner. Now listen, I didn't like girls. I'm a 12-year-old that does not like girls. And you want me to take one of those girls and do this? Ah, that was just awful. But I had to do it. Now, the crazy thing was my mother came to watch all this. They had a little balcony there, and most of the parents came to watch their kids. They were so proud they were learning how to ballroom dance. About the second week, you know, I had to do the same thing. I hated it more than the first week. The third week went on, hated it still even more. And the third week, I, I, we had to learn a new step, and we had to go find our partner. And I, I took a look at the 20-year-old dance instructor, and I thought, well, she didn't have anybody to dance with her. So I went over to the 20-year-old dance instructor, and I said, well, I could, I could dance with you. And she said, well, sure. So we danced around a little bit there, yeah, this is okay. <laughs> so the next week, my mother was kind of surprised because I was anxious to go to dancing class. She didn't quite understand why I was anxious to go to dancing class. Went to dancing class, went through the routine, opportunity to go dance with somebody, right to the dancing instructor, and we had a little dance going along there. It's it pretty good stuff. That was my last class. My mother said, you're not going back there. Because she saw what happened. I just moved from going through the motions to something else. And she said, that's enough. You're out. Never had another dancing class. Now you got this all in your head? It's possible to look like a duck. It's possible to go to the gym. It's possible to go through the motions at a dancing school. And it's possible to live your life. Just going through the motions. That's what Malachi is going to talk about. Chapter 1, verse 1. The prophet will speak to his people. There's a pretty, pretty interesting introduction. He says, The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Please note, this is not a message from Malachi. This is a message from God. Malachi just conveying what God told to him. I don't know how God told it to him. He's just conveying it. This is not Malachi saying, this is my observation. This is Malachi saying, God told me to tell you this. This is a word from God. Secondly, it's to Israel. It is not to the United States of America. It is not to you or to me. This is to the nation of Israel the people who had returned with Ezra and Nehemiah that we looked at, the people who have rebuilt their temple, they've rebuilt their city walls, they reinstituted sacrifices, this is to those people 
this message. And notice also it is from Malachi. And we don't even know who that guy is. And that's probably not his name. As a matter of fact, Malachi is the word in Hebrew for a messenger. So this person is just a messenger to speak God's word to Israel. You all right so far? This is what God wants to declare. Verse 2, the first part of the verse. This is what God says. I have loved you, says the Lord. That's really good news. This is the John 3.16 of Malachi. Didn't say I love the whole world, like in John 3.16, but God said, I love you, Israel. Now, when God loves somebody, God doesn't necessarily love the way we think people love. God loves when he wants his best for the object of his love. And he says, Israel, I have loved you. Got that part? This is what the people of God say. This is what Israel says, verse 2. But you say, how have you loved us? Now, that's an interesting comment. God says to Israel, I love you. And the people say, yeah, right. How have you loved us? Now, what is that about? Well, that's the same kind of thing that we see people engage in. I hear people all the time who say, well, if God loved the world, why would he let all these things happen? And we go, I have loved you. And the people say, yeah, yeah, right. Well, it's not too good for us. We're not happy. You're not giving us everything we want. You're not blessing us. We're not experiencing the best of all. How have you loved us? We don't like the situation we're in. All make sense to us so far? God says, well, let me explain to you how I have loved you. And this is going to a little bit of a bunny rabbit trail, but we'll go through it quickly. God says, well, take a look at Jacob to see how I have loved you. Here's chapter 1, verse 2. Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob. Verse 3. Esau I have hated. Hated, not in the sense of hate like we would use the word, but hated in the sense that Luke uses the word when he says, you have to hate mother and father and family in order to follow me. It's a contrast word. I have hated Edom. I have laid waste to his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. So a little history, just make sure we got it all right. God calls Abraham. Abraham has two children. He has Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael, firstborn, is sent away. Out of Ishmael comes a whole group of people that we refer to today as the Arab people. Okay? Jacob gives birth to twin sons, Esau and Isaac. Esau is the firstborn of the twin. Firstborn has the birthright, gets everything. But Jacob takes the birthright from Esau, and out of Jacob comes 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel who continue to be the people that are there in the land 
at Malachi's day. And Esau goes off and builds for himself a people that are known as the Edomites. Now the Edomites are ultimately destroyed. And God is saying to them, you want to know how I loved you? I have preserved Jacob. I have not preserved Esau. I have preserved Jacob. Chapter 1, verse 4. If Edom, if Edom says we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. The Lord of hosts says they may build, but I will tear down. And they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. So apparently Edom is suffering a loss. And they say, we'll come back. And God says, you won't come back because I have loved Jacob. That's how I showed my love to you. I have loved Jacob and I've kept my love to Jacob. Then he says in verse 5, look, God's people are going to testify to my love to Jacob forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. Now, what happened to Edom is that some people called the Nabataeans came. And the Nabataeans came and destroyed Edom. And for a hundred years after Christ, the Nabataean culture remained there. And the only thing we know of the Nabataeans, you want to put that slide up, is Petra. That's what got left. Not much, but a place for tourists to visit. So the people say, how have you loved us? And God said, listen, I have preserved Jacob. I have kept Jacob. Even though, even though Esau thought that he might rebuild, nothing has ever happened then. It is a testimony to you forever and ever that I have loved you. Okay? Now remember, it's not to us. This is to them. It would have made sense, more sense to them. So, this is where we ought to end. Malachi should just stop here. Can we not just end here? God said, I love you. They said, how do you love me? And God said, look how I have preserved you. End of story. Let's just uh, close the whole thing there, and it would be nice. But we're not finished. As a matter of fact, God is just beginning the reason they're not happy with God is because there are some problems among the people. God loves them with his best for them through him. And there are some problems there. Now, it shouldn't surprise us that there are problems among people who call themselves a people of God. There's always problems among people, right? So we want to take a look at what the problem is. Now, this is not our problem. This is a problem of Israel back in this day. God says, you have despised me. Verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my fear? says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. God says to this people, you hold me of little value and worth. And it's the priests among you, the leaders who hold me of little value and worth. Now, if the leaders among them do this with God, I assume that all the people do this with God. 
God says, compare this to a servant and a master. Look how you honor a master, and, and yet you don't honor me at all. You see no value in me. So in verse 6, the people question that. I love this question. You say, how have we despised your name? Now, I don't know how we're supposed to take this. God says, you've despised my name, and these people say, huh? How do we do that? Now, either they're dumb enough that they don't know how they did that, or they haven't been instructed enough to know how they've despised God's name. This is a mystery to them. Or they know exactly how they despise God's name, and they're trying to ignore it. Now, you can decide what the deal is. But the people say, well, this, how have, you, how have we despised your name? So God explains to them how you have despised my name. This is not going to apply to us. You have despised my name with offensive offerings to me. Chapter 1, verse 7. By offering polluted food upon my altar. And then in verse 8 he says, When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those things that are lame and sick, is that not evil? Now you have to understand that God had demanded this from them. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but we can go back. Numbers chapter 28. The Lord, you shall say to them, this is a food offering that you shall offer to the Lord. Two male lambs, a year old, without blemish. When you offered a sacrifice to God, you had to bring the best and the perfect one. Leviticus chapter 1, verse 3. The offering is to be without blemish. Leviticus 22. You shall not offer anything to me that is not without blemish. Leviticus 22, 22, animals that are blind or disabled or mutilated or having a discharge or an itch or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord or give them to the Lord as a food offering on the altar. Now, is this all clear enough? It doesn't mean anything to us. Is this all clear enough? God said, when you come to worship me, you bring an offering that has no blemish. You bring me the best lamb. You bring me that which is perfect from your flock. And you don't. So you obviously see me of no value. Got the picture? God says, I love you. They say, we don't get it. Why not? We're going through misery. Well, you despise me. That's why you're going through misery. Now, here's my question. Why would this people do this? If you were a Jew in Israel in Malachi's day and you came to the temple to offer up an offering, why would you do this? Why would you bring an animal that was not without blemish? Now, Malachi doesn't say, so we're left to figure it out. What is wrong with these people? Well, I could see part of their excuse they could say, look, we're poor. We're poor people. We can't bring the best of our flock and offer it up as an offering to you, God. We can't do this. We're poor. They might be saying, you know what? God is really unreasonable. I mean, we're, we're, we're doing something. I mean, let's not be unreasonable, God. We can't bring you the best one. That's an unreasonable request that you're making of us. 
Or maybe they have the idea, hey, look, we're coming to the, to the altar of sacrifice. We're bringing an animal. We're offering up as a sacrifice. And what do they have? An inspector there that's checking all the animals out to see if they're perfect or not? Come on, get rid of it. That'd be sort of the way we do it. Oh, does that sound a little bit like going through the motions, but not what God wants? Just because it looks like a duck doesn't mean it's a duck. Just because you go to the gym doesn't mean you're doing what you're supposed to do at the gym. Just because you go to dancing class, you just go through the motions. Well, this is what God says. Would this happen to us? Take us out now of this Old Testament context. Would we ever do this? Would we ever try to swindle God? Cheat him with an offering? Now, probably we never did this. You know the story in Acts chapter 5 of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira, during the early days of the book of Acts... Their people were selling property, were holding everything they had jointly. Ananias and Sapphira had a piece of property. They sold it. They got a lot of money for it. We don't know how much, but they took some of it, put it in their pocket. They took the rest of the money, took it to the church. And what did Peter do? Peter said, uh, no, that's not quite acceptable. You're just going through the motions. And they died. Now, of course, we would never do anything like that. Now, I know this is not in your background, but back in the early days of my ministry, I was in churches that did something called Faith Promise. Now, we did this to raise money for missions. Did anybody ever do this? Here's how Faith Promise works. Faith Promise says, I want to give so much money to missionaries, but I don't have the money. So, if God gives me the money that I don't expect to get, I'll give what percent of that to this project of missions. So, and I'm the guy, of course, I introduced this to a lot of churches. And I remember the first time we did this. I have very clear in my mind. Because I'm up in the front. So I said, look, here's what I'm going to do. If God gives me any money that I'm not expecting to get, I'm going to give 100% of it to this missions project. And that was a good year. I got a whole bunch of money I didn't expect to get. Cross my mind. 100%. I wouldn't have shortchanged God, would I? I'm sure nobody ever did that. Well, I gave the 100%. I wised up because the next year when we did Faith Promise, I promised 50% of everything I get. <laughs> You got this picture? There's, there's a lot of this going through the motions and the passion is not there. This is what God says to them. This does no good for you. Malachi 1.9 Now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious with us with such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. God says, I am not satisfied with you going through the motions. That will not be enough. 
It brings God no pleasure. Verse 10. Oh, that there was one among you who would shut the doors, the doors of the temple, that you might not kindle a fire on the altar. You kindle it in vain. You don't offer up a good sacrifice. I have no pleasure in you, said the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. It is not enough to go through the motions. Mm. Some of you know I, I taught junior high school English for a year of my life after I got out of college. Kids were not real bright back in those days. I'm sure they're much smarter now. I had some dumb kids. And we were supposed to uh, give them essays to write, you know, little paragraphs. And so I would give these kids, give me a three, three paragraphs about such and such an item, and they would write these paragraphs. They were terrible. The grammar was bad. Everything was bad. They were just terrible. Except some of the kids were really creative. They had some great ideas. So I decided, you know, the best way to do this, I'll, I'll give them two grades, because otherwise they're all going to fail. So I'll give them two grades. I'll give them one grade for the mechanics of what they wrote, and I'll give them a half, half the grade will be the idea they had. And I thought, that's a good deal. So kids, boy, their grades came up like crazy. And the head of the department came to me one day. She said, how come these kids are all getting better grades? So I gave her my idea, told her what we were doing. And she said, uh, no, that won't work. You can't do that. Here's the final declaration from God, verse 11. From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered in my name, and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. God has never accepted halfway. God has never accepted going through the motions. God is not pleased with that, and it does those who do it no good whatsoever. Exclamation point. You want to hear what God said to us? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and your neighbor as you love yourself. This is the love of God that wants God's best. And you can't just go through the motions. They tried to do that in the book of Revelation at the church of Laodicea. Remember this in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15? I know your works. You are neither hot or cold. Would that you were either hot or cold. Because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold. I'm going to spit you out of your mouth. You cannot just go through the motions. So what's the first problem in Israel? They become content with just going through the motions with God. Now, I tried to think of a good way to end this. And I really haven't come up with a good way, but I'm going to try it. Now, I don't want to offend anybody. I would never want to do that. So remember that church where, or remember that place where I learned how to go to dancing class? Well, that was a church just up the street from us, and I started going to church there. I guess I thought those girls weren't there. And as a teenager, I got very active in that church. <clears throat> I, uh, I was the president of their youth group. I uh, was asked by the minister of that church to help him with communion, and I, I did that all the time. Uh, I, I remember the church sent me to a conference to represent the church's youth. I mean, I was a big shot in this church. And it was really a part of my life. And, and they gave me uh, this book. 
This is the first time I ever got one of these books. I, went, I grew up in a Methodist church, and I didn't get one of these books. I really liked this book. It was called the prayer book, and, and I, could, I could follow everything that was going on, and sometimes the minister would read things out of the book, and sometimes I would read things out of the book, and, and I got pretty much into this, and everything was, was going along just fine. And eventually, I, uh, I met my woman to be my wife in that same church where I had the dancing classes in the same church where I was president of the youth. I, I met her there. She didn't go there, but I met her there. And then we got married, and, and she came up with this crazy idea that people should be sold out to God through Jesus Christ. And I, well, don't want to get too carried away here. I sort of like going through the motions. Going through the motions is pretty good. You don't, you don't get too much trouble going through the motions. And finally, you know, it, it came to a big issue. And I remember as an adult then, finding that minister that used to do so much for me as a, as a young person and finding a church where he was the, the rector. And, and I went to that church and I, I took my little book with me. They still had the same little book. And I remember sitting there in this church and I, after I had been to church with her and after I had, I had heard about Christ Jesus in your life and the dynamic that brings and the Spirit of God moving in you. And, and I had my little book and I was sitting there in the thing and I thought, something's missing here for me. Now, I'm not saying it was missing for anybody there. I, I'm not, I don't know about everybody else. I, I, I have no way to judge what was going on in anybody else's life. But in my life, I, I began to realize I'm just going through the motions. And that wasn't good enough. And I sold out my life to Jesus Christ. Ten months after that, I ended up in seminary. I won't fool around anymore. It was all the way with God. Or nothing. The rest was just going through the motions. Now, if I might... I have one big sign here. Caution sign. Please, please, do not do what we are all very good at doing. See, I, I do it all the time, and I have to slap myself. Do not go around looking at people's lives and saying, ah, 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 yeah, they're just going through the motions. Nobody has ever called anybody to make judgment calls on other people like that. I don't know who's just going through the motions, and you don't know either. So don't do that. Nobody, especially God, has given you a black and white striped uniform and told you to referee the rest of the world. God just said, you love me with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And you learn what it means to love one another with my kind of love. And that's it. And Israel lost it. And that was just their first problem of many that Malachi will discuss. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, uh, we don't go to church to fool around with you. We don't want to pass judgment on anybody else. You've never called us to do that. We just want to be all and everything that you desire us to be. 
And thank you for a reminder that comes from all the remote places like an Old Testament book of Malachi. Thank you that this prophet, whoever he was, was willing to write down the words that you gave him. And he reminds us, by application, that we're not to just go through the motions either. You have called us to a better and a greater walk with you. Help us to know how to do that. Walk with us as we walk with you day by day. And we will know that you love us no matter what. In the name of Jesus, amen.